He's back, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Clark is back in the house. How are you doing, Keelan? I'm doing good. I'm doing much better now. Um, yeah, I'm sorry that I missed out on the last one, but I heard uh, you sat here and roasted our poor Lillian uh, pretty well. Yeah, well, she took it well. Well, I'm glad you are back this week. No offense to Lillian, who actually did a good job recording last week. But Keelan's return has brought with him some pretty big news uh, for first home buyers. Mm. Kainga Order, uh, a government housing entity who helps those who struggle getting into a home, um, has saved a day. They've come in, swooped in, and uh, finally done what many people have been begging for uh, for, for a very long time. Yes, yes. Um, so now they have removed the price cap for the uh, first home loan. And that's an amazing thing because this is a very special product. You only need 5% deposit for mm. this one. They've done uh, some pretty nice things with this. So uh, the first home loan is not to be confused with the first home grant. So there, there's two there's two products out there that, that, that they offer, really, the two main ones. First time loan is where they essentially top up your deposit to get you up to um, like a decent amount. As long as you've got 5%, they'll top you the rest of the way up to the 20, right? Or as far as you need. Usually they don't prefer to go up higher than the 20. And then there's the first home grant, which is just free money that they offer you. You can just take that money, you don't have to pay it back, you don't have to do anything with it, and you can use that to buy your first home, right? So the first home loan uh, is a yeah, rather interesting product of theirs where they'll top you up the extra uh, that you need. So say mm. you needed, um, say you only had 50,000 to buy your uh, million dollar home, for example, but you needed, the bank asked you to get another 15% together on another 150K. They would top you up the extra 150K and uh, you'd be expected to repay that back to them within the next 10 years. So it's not exactly the same as taking out like another mortgage on the property. It's something that you have to basically repay at the end of the, that 10 year cycle. But there is a catch to it. There is one catch to it, is that you have to pay not the amount that you borrow, but based on the percentage that you borrowed. Wow. So say you borrowed 15% at the start, but then the house price doubled. So say you bought it for a million dollars and then after 10 years it was now worth two, which I mean has been the going saying for you know the last couple of years across Auckland. You now have to pay back instead of $150,000, you have to now pay back 300. Yeah. So, so it is a really good thing though, because a lot of people are now struggling, the main issue for them is the struggling with the deposit side, right? Mm. Um, not only is interest rates uh, a crushing factor, is that people's savings are starting to get chewed into. So people are struggling to come up with that last bit of deposit. So Kayangora, like you said, have come in to save the day and remove that cap on you know, how high you know, the purchase price could be. So say for example, on your income, you could support something way higher, like you know, a million dollar property, they would top you up what you need. But before it was tied to their house caps, which they mm. had instituted, which for like Auckland was only like 600,000. 650. 650, yeah. So, yeah. you know, in Auckland, that is a shoebox apartment at the time, you know, up until then. It's nothing necessarily big or flashy. It would, it would probably just house you and a partner. Yeah. Barely. That it. That'd be yep. it. But yep. nowadays, but now it looks like you could actually get mm. start to get your family mm. into it, which is great. Well, this is a great start. We totally forgot about the intro where uh, we say, "Hey guys, welcome back to another episode." <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna? Are we just gonna cut these out and just yeah, rejig we'll it around, out. or we'll just leave it here and continue to say, "Welcome to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm," where we 
uh, try to update you on the market, just like how we started this. We were so excited to give you this news. Um, <laughs> so excited that you nearly forgot the name of the show. Yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> forgot. Um, yeah, we also try and find some pretty outrageous stories um, in the housing market mm. in and around New Zealand, sometimes outside of New Zealand. Um, depending on the story, just try and keep you keep you laughing with mm. us um, in the hope, you know, a side effect of laughter is is warmth and you know it is getting cold and man i'm having to wear three layers now it's getting really cold i have two people in the bed and i still have four blankets on (laughs) yeah yeah but let's get back into the first home loan so let's break this down a little bit if you're on your own and you're wanting to apply with a single income the limit is ninety five thousand dollars now that's already pretty high in itself you are a single uh, income it's a single income and if you're wanting to apply with a joint income let's say a partner or potentially a parent does that work um i think it really depends on you you obviously need to be living in the property right um and i think you can do it with a partner Mm. or a family member but you do have to be yeah living in the home together yeah and that that limit is one hundred fifty thousand dollars. so if we were to take the joint income of one hundred fifty thousand dollars annual salary you may be able to borrow a maximum amount which is a whopping (laughs) For a first home buyer, this is huge. One million and thirty thousand dollars, and that's using um, ASB's calculator. Is that correct? Mm, yep, main bank lending. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And also, um, that's if you have no other dependencies, like like kids. Um, kids hurt your bank account, man. <laughs> as much as everybody wants a kid, yeah. uh, they do hurt your lending. So if you want, to, if you were to divide that by ninety five percent, so all up, you'd probably get around. Uh, a million and ninety yeah, thousand from, from from the bank. Yeah. yeah, and for again for a first home buyer, that is that's quite a huge leg up that they're um, offering to those who are struggling. Yeah, which a lot of people have been saying is what's going on at the moment. You know, it's how they're feeling about the market, right? Is mm. that they're struggling, and I think um, every every situation, whether it's low interest rates or you know the high houses, high high house prices, it's going. There's always somebody struggling. There's always some people who are in that position where they can't afford to. Um, but yeah, so I mean, coming back onto what we we're saying is, yeah, Kangaroo have finally decided to make some changes, be mm. a little bit more realistic. Because up until now, you know, you couldn't buy anything decent for six hundred k or seven hundred twenty five, which I think was their original house cap for a new build. Yeah, no, no construction companies were selling new builds for seven hundred twenty five. I think even at the moment, I think I mentioned it before. You're looking down at Papakura, and they have got two bedroom brand new townhouses, but they're at least eight hundred k. Which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for a, a suburb that's far away from the city. If you do uh, work close to uh, Papakura, which is, I don't know, about half an hour straight drive from, the, uh, from Auckland City, that's without traffic. No traffic. Yeah. Which and there's, is, uh, there's, there's always traffic anyway. So that'll take you around about an hour to get from Auckland City to Papakura. Mm. And yeah, 800K does seem like a lot. It seems like a lot for something so far out. Yep. yep. And so that's like, you know, that, for example, is a big reason why Kainga Aura haven't been able to do probably as much business as they would have liked to have done before. Is it just everything was too low? They just couldn't keep up. So they've, they've had to make this change. And I mean, I think it's a really good one. It's going to help um, kind of keep the property market where it is at the moment. Yeah. Uh, with how everything's going, everything's starting to cool down just a little bit. This should really help us just turn a little bit. that around. Just yeah. keep things, keep stoke the fire, you know? Stoke the fire, keep everybody a bit warm. Yeah. So things are looking 
like it's getting easier to you know get that house that you need especially if you're struggling and it is just five percent um deposit in saying that i did try to contact kaing aura when i was trying to buy my house and just to show you as an example how busy they are i i tried to contact several of their branches and i never got anything back i'm not trying to complain i did get my house at the end um you know after a few months but it's just an indication of how busy they were last year and imagine everyone trying to get into this first home loan now. Mm. I reckon day one that everyone heard that the updates were coming through, they're like, oh, yep, cool, let's go. Yeah. All right, let's stick our hands in. And I mean, yeah, Kayanga Ora works their butts off. I'm sure they do over there. They do a lot for this country. Um, but, you know, recently up until now, it's just been a lot hard to take out those grants and actually use them. Mm. Because the minute you buy something that's over that price cap, they can't, they're not going to give you that 10K anymore. Well, you know, they can't, they're not going to give you that home loan anymore. So now that that's changed, a lot more people are going to be able to get some help. So you mentioned before mm. that they have, people have 10 years to pay off what they need to pay off. Yes. Yep. So basically how it works is, is that come the end of those 10 years, you should be in a position where you've otherwise downpaid enough of the mortgage to be able to top it up and repay it or you should have enough savings, or you should have some other way in order to repay it. Um, I think basically they are flexible with it, but you know, the sooner you pay it back, the better, mm. right? You don't have to pay it back at the 10 years, you can pay it back sooner, um, but the idea is that you would pay it back sooner than later. And I don't think they do repayment schemes. It's like you know a set repayment. I think it's best that you do it in lump sums or you just pay it all out at once. So it's not like trying to pay two mortgages off at once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. on the same property, which yeah. is really good of them. Um, and Kayanga, still, they still get their money back, right? They still get all their money back from this. Yeah, of course, over the mm. time. Now, this sounds amazing, actually. It sounds really, really good. And if that does sound like you and you think you are ready to get that 5% in, um, feel free to message us. There's an email address you can send us there in the description. I'll put that in there. So yeah, we can get your first home loan started. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, for a lot of people nowadays, like the big issue is, is that they've got not enough cash on hand, right? They haven't yeah. got enough between their Kiwi savers and their own savings. Mm. They haven't got enough. This really does give you another solution to it if you really want to get into your first home. Mm. Um, you know, and the way things are going, the way house prices are going, it's probably looking like it'll. you won't have to take out that much of a loan anyway yeah. from them. Yeah, which is good. And I mean, uh, the way, yeah, everything is going at the moment with like, say, the reserve banks and the interest rates, um, this looks like it may be a really nice alternative. Um, now, speaking on those reserve banks and the interest rates, uh, we have a little bit on the sadder side of things is mm. that they have decided to put up the OCR um, again, which is the official cash rate to 2% now. So basically what that means is that we have started to see interest rates go up. Is they trying to combat inflation basically? So it does mean borrowing is a little more expensive, but the, once again, you know, it does link back into the fact that house prices are starting to cool down so they are a little bit more affordable yeah. for people as well. And is that, is that only really because we printed out so much money and our dollar is worth less? Yeah, so basically during the last couple of years with what everything has been going on, um, you know, we've we've printed more and we've got more debt than what we can essentially cover. You know, they spent so much money helping out the country and keeping everybody afloat. You know, if it wasn't for them, like myself, for example, I wouldn't be in that position. Mm. Um, I would have been jobless. I would have been homeless. You know, 
it's so much better off for them just to try and help support everybody through those times rather than just letting everybody go broke because there's so much more damage that can be done that way than just slowly taking it on. So the idea is, is that to, 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 to um, stop short-term and massive pains and defaults is that if you stretch it out over a few years, the impact should be minimal or at least not as significant. It should be. A lot of people are complaining already. Everyone's, they're always going to complain though. They're always going to complain. There's always going to be somebody who isn't happy with what's going on. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is unfortunately just a result of everything that's going on, right? Mm. Because things Mm. have been sitting so cheaply for so long that um, now they've had to start putting up the interest rates to counter that because things were just going too fast. They need to control it. Otherwise, next thing you know, there's going to be so much money out there um, and people aren't going to be able to actually repay it. Wasn't there a uh, South American or Central American country um, where a, a lot of their citizens, their currency was worth so little that they were just throwing their cash around on the streets? I think it was probably Venezuela or something. I think it might have been Zambia or something. Uh, um, yeah. one, one of those. Uh, it's a I South apologize Africa. if you're from that country. We're not trying to um, mock you or anything. We just forget what it is. But yeah, they were <laughs> yes. literally throwing the cash outside there, it was just all over the streets because yep. it, it was worth nothing. It was worthless. Overnight yeah. it went from being, you know, like one of itself to like one one thousandth of itself, you know? Yeah. So like a loaf yeah. of bread, like one from a dollar to like a hundred dollars yeah. overnight. And I really hope we don't get to that stage because that's that's a lot of litter. <laughs> Gotta go around. <laughs> There's a lot of plastic too, considering that, you know, that we print everything in this country on plastic. Yeah. So um, you're not going to be good for the environment on that mm. one. Yeah, but hopefully it is, it is a slow painful one it is going to be painful and like i said before we a lot of people are already complaining and actually i just found out uh the other day that the government is still actually um helping out with the fuel tax and at the moment it's sitting over three dollars and i thought the government had uh, done this to to stop it going over three dollars <laughs> yeah but it's, it's not the government stopping the the support it's the fuel price is just that high. It's just the fuel prices yeah. are that high, mm. uh, which is a bit, which is a bit funny considering. Yeah, three dollars is the reason why they int- implemented the fuel tax, and now it's just gotten back up to being over that price. So, yeah, why are they paying the fuel tax discount in the fuel, fuel in the first place? You know, mm. um, uh, we sound like we're sitting here just belly aching. Yeah, oh, well, it's a Friday afternoon. Oh, well. yeah, no, but I can't talk. I mean, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking here, rubbing it in, how I bought a new car. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I don't think we've got the right here to sit here and talk about yeah. all of that. Well, in other news, Keelan, how does a four-day work week sound? It sounds good. It does. At the same time, though, it sounds like my day would be so, so busy. I think the idea uh, is a 10-hour day, four days a week. And then you get that extra day off. So this movement actually has been growing slowly around the world. And recently, 10 companies in New Zealand have signed up to this, uh, this scheme. Mm. Um, now, the company that spoke to the New Zealand Herald says that with its early stages of trialing this program out, alongside the mix of working from home, they have been productive and you know, the employees have found it better having that extra day to spend at home and their family or whatever they want to do. Now, first of all, if you own a company or if you're a self-employed person, it's obviously up to you however you want to run things. Unfortunately, though, for us who work in the finance and housing world, we have to follow the bank's opening hours. 
um, which means the usual nine to five. Yeah, I doubt uh, the banks are ever going to change that. <laughs> yeah, unless the banks change things, but I doubt it's going to happen. But wouldn't it be nice if we did have that extra day off, either that Friday or Monday? I could be keen with a three-day weekend f- forever. That'd be great. I think that'd be really good. And I mean, I can definitely see the benefit behind this, right? You know, being that people have more time to relax. They have more downtime where they're not stressed out. They're not thinking about work and they're not working their butts off. Um, I mean, you know, I, I would say that Monday to Thursday or Monday to Friday for myself, you know, I probably tend to find myself working more than eight hours a day anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, if I just did that across four days and had my Friday off, That'd be brilliant. I'd love that. But yeah, I mean, I think it it probably doesn't work for the finance sector because, yeah, like you said, um, you know, there's settlements and sales happening every day of the week. So, you know, funds move all the time. The only reason it doesn't happen on a Saturday and a Sunday is because lawyers need breaks too. Otherwise, I think we all need breaks. I think we all need breaks. I think we could all deserve a nice little trip to Queenstown in a suitcase. Yeah. I think partly, though, the reason why this idea is gaining some traction is that um, a lot of people are feeling burnt out coming out of all the lockdowns that's been happening. Um, and then they're going to ch- and, and then they're trying to get back into the routine of their nine to five jobs. I mean, it's not like we've been able to loosen up a bit by going away on holiday overseas. We've only just recently opened up our borders for travel. I mean, I've, I've been following the Super Rugby and it's great seeing um you know, people out there going to the stadiums and supporting their team, having a good time. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a terrible thing that you know that's that this is where we've come to is that everybody's feeling so burnt out from the fact that they just had to work their jobs remotely and just had gotten used to that nice relaxing setting. Mm. That now that when they've come back to working in an office environment, it is quite overwhelming. I know a lot of people now that have pushed for instead of their jobs being done um, in office to being fully remote. You know, they're like, hey, look, why don't you just make me a fully remote person and then I don't have to come into the office. Yeah. I've seen that get pushed along a lot. Um, and some employers don't like it, right? Some employers don't like the idea that they don't actually see their staff in yeah. the office. They don't have that kind of corporate culture anymore, mm. which I can get why they do that. But at the same time, if your staff members are still going to work just as productively at home, why not let them? Yeah. Why not let them have that freedom and just do it whatever they like? Yeah, um, and whatever pace they like as mm, well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, what happens, you know, does it really matter if somebody works a couple of extra hours on a Monday if it just means they don't have to do the work on a Tuesday? Why can't we just do that for four days and then yeah. have the Friday off? I mean, I don't know about everyone else, but I find myself as sort of the, the video content producer in, in, in this company, my work, the most productive I become it's probably around Monday to Thursday. So Thursday afternoon, I start tapering off because I've done everything I needed to. Yep. Um, and everything then comes is- Friday, which is this recording. And this is a bit more casual than all our other co- other content that, um, that we produce. So yeah, I mean, having that extra day, it might help some people. Maybe he's hoping his boss is going to listen to this and then push for his marketing team to have a four-day work week. <laughs> uh, boss, if you're listening, uh, he's really brown-nosing for it right now. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it looks like a bunch of big companies because I think Deloitte in New Zealand has also adopted that structure. Mm. And they're a massive company here. Absolutely massive. Um, and I mean, if a big company like that can figure out a way to make it work four-day working week... I don't see why very many other sectors couldn't make that work as well. Yeah, and it's the same hours, 10-hour day, which makes up the 40-hour work week. But anyway, um, getting back into travel, have you been seeing ads about Queenstown opening up their airports to international flights? 
I have, and I think it'd be. I, I think it used to be an actual travel destination. So you actually used to be able to fly directly international. Yes. To Queenstown, right? Um, and it's just unfortunate they just closed it off because it was just like, oh well, Auckland's keeping us busy enough, or like the other centres around New Zealand are keeping us busy enough. So why don't we just focus on them? Um, and I think it'd be great. I think it'd be good um, going directly to uh, Queenstown, though. We'll definitely pick the pace of that town back up. Yeah, well, the last time I went to Queenstown, the pandemic wasn't happening, and holy heck, there was just there were people everywhere. Traffic was crazy. It was basically Auckland, you know, traffic-wise. Was Fergburgers um, queue like around the block and a half? You oh, know? mate, everyone was queuing up for it. But again, it does help them out because that's their main income, right? Mm, the, that's where they make all their money. Yeah, yeah. So the tourism uh, marketing campaigns are well on its way for uh, Queenstown. Um, I'm planning to spend a week down there, so I better hurry up and book everything. So yeah, there'll be nothing left. Yeah, otherwise I'll um, I'll lose out on the, all these bookings and might have to pay pay premium price. Oh, um, I wouldn't want to do that, would you? Oh no, I wouldn't pay more than the bare minimum. Nah, um, but they are wanting uh, more North Americans who have apparently been identified as priority tourists by both Tourism New Zealand and Air New Zealand. What's that? Do you reckon it's just because they can work the ski fields or something like that? Or they like to do those um, holiday jobs, you know, where they come over for a working visa and they'll come and do their holidays and do a bit of work on the side? It does say in this News Hub article that they are expecting a lot from the USA um, to overtake the Chinese tourists. But in saying that, China is still largely on lockdown. So Yeah, they're still locked out from mm. most of the world. So, I mean, for them to really start hitting the ground running, it's going to take another couple of years. I yeah, think. I think there's. I think they're just trying to see who's the most open to coming here, and obviously mm. the USA have been open for a long time now. Oh, they're ready to go. Yeah, they're ready to fly. Yeah, I think Queenstown is is they're they're ready for people to come back because they've been suffering for the last couple of years, being that they are a tourist town. Uh, as far as for their property market, though, I mean, we'll definitely probably start to see everybody repicking up those properties there's so many developments happening down there too yeah well it's just it's just the fact that they're all getting ready for it right like if they're ready for it and they can rent those properties out on airbnb for like what is it three four hundred dollars five hundred dollars a night you know that's you you don't need to rent it out to anybody you just airbnb it every night and there you go that's like two thousand dollars for four nights that's all your money right there you don't need to worry about the mortgage repayment there you go you're sorted right yeah and I think that's what a lot of developers or the big big players out there are hoping for, right? Mm. Is that once those open to international, people start flying there direct, like people do to Auckland, and that's why Auckland's such a major city. Yeah, that place is going to become packed. And I think we we've covered a lot of um, property sales down in Queenstown in the in previous episodes, and they are, you know, selling really quickly. Mm, mm. Nothing seems to stay there for too long. Okay, uh, Keelan, let's bring it back to Auckland. Now, I'm wanting to start a new segment in the show. It's going to be called, Wow, That's a Lot of Millions. <laughs> Do you get it? Yeah, I think I get it. But um, <laughs> are you going to say it with that, that kind of, you know, wow. Wow, that's a lot of millions. That's a lot of millions. Now, in saying that, two Auckland waterfront homes on Devonport, a, a north shore of Auckland City, two of them have sold for a total of $14 million plus. One property was sold for around $8 million. And another one close by in Stanley Point sold for around $6 million. Uh, wow, well, that's a lot of millions. Yeah, well, that's a lot of millions. Um, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, I mean, the, the, the $8 million property is only a four-bedroom. Four it's, not, it's not big. 
It's not massive. It's not even, yeah, it's nothing particularly large, right? But imagine going out and being like, you know what? I'm going to go pay you $2 million a bedroom for, for a house. So uh, what you got? <laughs> and apparently, um, according to this One Roof article, they were saying that the demand was still quite high in this. So somebody did want it. Um, it sounds like a bunch of people definitely wanted it. Yeah, yeah. The $6 million house sits on top of a cliff. Uh, again, $6 million, you got to have a lot of cash. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not a fan of houses on cliffs. I, I, it's just something about being that close to an edge like that. And yeah. my brain just goes back away. <laughs> back away. What happens if the cliff moves and it just comes right up to your doorstep? You know, next thing you know, you're stepping out and... There goes your six mil. I mean, what else can we say? Auckland is still, is still pretty, it's still hot. Yeah, people are saying, oh, get out of Auckland, go somewhere else. And I mean, like we've discussed in the past, you know, it's not necessarily the case anymore with everybody starting to work remote. But then also when you look in Auckland, that's where you're starting to see your outrageous sales. Mm. That's where you're starting to see your homes going for some ridiculous prices. So, I mean, maybe if you're looking for a beachfront property, don't look in Auckland. But if you're really desperate for it, um, yeah, maybe then start to look out of, out of the city. And the Kiwi dream of still of owning a batch in front of a beach is still a thing. Oh, um, we've got tons of beaches in this country. Totally. There, there are plenty of beaches, like maybe a few hours out of Auckland, that you, you could buy for cheaper. Oh. And it does mean you get to go away. But, you know, in saying that, if you do have a lot of money, um, give then me a go call. ahead. Go for it. Um, you know, give me some if you want. I've got, a, otherwise. I've got a couple of great investment ideas. Uh, it's my bank account that could definitely <laughs> use uh, an investor. You know, just just to sit there, you know, just sitting there and just uh, make me a bit of money so I can go shopping. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, Auckland is still a busy place. Um, and I mean, now that we started to see this house cap move mm. um, from Kainga Aura, it at least gives some of the people who are new to the, the market, new to the game, you know, a more fair of a chance to get into it. You can still get your house and you can start to repay back and start to actually own your own home instead of paying somebody else's rent. Talking on that, you know, the other way to look at it is that some people have found that it's even cheaper to move out of Auckland. Yes. I mean, you know, we have talked in the past in those major developments, you know, you are still getting really high prices, but some people were able to find their little gems, you know, their little cheap little gems in these nice little quiet towns that nobody tends to really want to go to. That's where they're starting to find their own homes. Mm. Um, so there's a story here that somebody, uh, a young family has moved from... Auckland to Tokoroa. Yeah. Uh, Tokoroa is a few hours south of Auckland City. It's saying that basically by them moving, you know, they were able to start saving about 700K mm. right on a house, um, which I mean, it seems ridiculously insane. It's Tokoroa. So yeah, yeah, cool. Nice cheap houses, which is great. Um, and it looks like they're able to save on, you know, a lot of their other costs as well. You know, they could start to save on their travel costs, fuel costs, like essential living would seem to be a lot cheaper down there. Mm. Um, you've got your land rates and your council rates, which are going to be a lot less because the councils aren't as full on or have as many services that they need to provide as compared to like Auckland, mm. you know, and uh, your council rates in Auckland are like two, three, four thousand dollars yeah. per annum. But down there they're much cheaper to afford. And it says here that they spoke to the, the journalist, they said that they had thirty thousand dollars in joint savings, mm. uh, hundred twenty thousand in the husband's bank account and around seventy five thousand dollars in Kiwi Saver. So they did save up quite a bit of money. The main reason why they wanted to move down to a smaller town 
is yeah, one, they could buy a house for around $300,000 with much bigger land and the appropriate size for their, 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 family. their family. And the other thing too is that they didn't want to be stuck in to repaying a loan for 30 years. Whereas this stage, they already had most of the costing of the house with their savings and, and KiwiSaver. So they only have to pay about $120,000 in the next 15 years. So that is a lot of saving. They've got a lot of, lot of savings. They don't have to pay as much on interest. They don't have to start paying more for um, you know, the life of their loan. And they can start being mortgage-free a lot sooner, yeah. which is, you know, is a, what a lot of people want to do, right? They prefer to be mortgage-free, debt-free, sooner rather than later. So you know, some people think that just getting a mortgage in general is a really bad idea. That's, that's their approach because they believe that you should always be out of debt. You should never be debt. You should never owe anybody anything and you should just entirely live off what you've got. Nowadays though, being able to afford a property like that is not easy with just your own savings. Yeah. It's gonna take you a really long time and why not live in the home that you're going to own and pay for it when it's cheaper now than trying to pay for it in the future when it's obviously gonna be a lot more expensive. And so that's where, you know, that's the benefit of a mortgage. But these guys took the other approach. They said, hey, look, we, we accept that we're gonna need a mortgage, right? Let's try and minimize the mortgage that we can Yeah, let, let's just minimize the mortgage. I thought you were talking about me and trying, me trying to minimize myself. And I was like, uh, okay, I'll just go <laughs> shrink myself. Um, yeah, so they said, yeah, let's try, let's try and find a nice middle ground for ourselves. Let's try and get the smallest mortgage we can, but still get something we're really gonna be happy with. Mm. So we can pay it off sooner and be mortgage-free sooner which is great, it's just perfect for them, right? They know that they're, they don't want to have a mortgage by the time they're in their 60s or 65, which is not what everybody wants to do, right? Most people want to be retired by then. Do yeah. you want to be retired by then? Hopefully 50, but we can't. I mean, I want to hopefully be retired by you know next week. Um, I'm just hopeful to hit lotto or something like that, and then I'm good to go. But yeah, so it, you know, their plan is that they don't want to have a mortgage in, in, in the next 15, 20 years, yeah. which is perfect. Because they have a child that they're wanting to make sure that they they can just be debt-free and they can just always be able to support. And obviously that lifestyle isn't for everyone. And if you have grown up in a city, let's say like Auckland City, mm. you know, the change of lifestyle, if that's for you, then totally go for it. And it, it's something that will work for you depending on what you want. But obviously some people would like to say stay in a, in a busy suburb or a busy city like Auckland or even Wellington, but I think even Wellington is going up in prices anyway. So the further you are outside of the major cities, the better it is for house prices. And I mean, it really depends on where you're looking, right? Just because you go out of Auckland doesn't mean everything is gonna be cheaper by default, right? Yeah. You start to look towards another city or another you know, really densely populated, populated suburb and you're gonna run right back into that same issue. So you need to go somewhere that's gonna be quiet and it's probably going to be remote. Yeah, but in saying that, a lot more quieter towns are getting busier because that that's because the that's idea. The, that's the notion that everybody's got. Yeah, that's yep. what everyone can do. Anyone in major cities that want to buy a house who can't afford to buy a house and just want that rental return would want to buy somewhere outside of Auckland just to get that yield. Yeah, uh, I can see why some people have got that idea. The problem is, though, is that you can't afford, you can't charge Auckland rents in yes. like Tokoroa. So you would have to buy loads of them. And I only say that because one of my aunties is doing that. Yeah, so you have to buy quantity over quality. Yes, and just to make up. Just to make up for it. So you start buying lots and lots and lots. You've got lots of properties, lots of 
council rates, lots of insurances, a lot more costs involved than just owning a fewer properties with a lot more quality behind them. Um, so that, that's it, that's some people's approach, right? Is they'll do quantity over quality. Some people would buy crap tons of apartments and they'll just live off the rental yield of the apartments. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, for these guys, it looks like they've done exactly what they wanna do. They've done what's gonna make them happy and it's gonna make them meet their goals. Everybody's got different goals. Yeah. I, don't, I don't personally care about having the mortgage, right? I know that I can still pay the mortgage no matter what happens, so that's fine to me. I don't mind having that debt. Mm. But for some other people, that may really worry them. And I may, you may find after you actually take out the mortgage um, that you may hate the debt. You may yeah. actually hate having debt yeah. tied against your name. Um, mine's with a different institution than what my actual main bank is, so I don't see it every day. Yeah. I'm sure if I saw it every day, it would drive me nuts. <laughs> But you know that, that for some people, as long as they know that they can keep paying that debt, they don't mm. mind having it. It's like why you keep affording a car, even though the exactly. car costs money, right? Mm. It still gives you something in return. Mm. So why not? Exactly. Do what makes you happy. Mm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's move on to our last story. And this is, this is pretty crazy. I'd say the craziest story that we've had so far in this five-week stint that we've been doing this so this not is a, not a big bar to pass is it no. <laughs> this is a an article from news hub this is about a woman in london who felt so victimized that she wasn't she was, a, she was beautiful, basically well, it wasn't even like a company organized one it was just a bunch of staff mates who said hey look we're good friends let's go out for a drink yep so the, all the work friends said let's go out for a drink at the end of the week, whenever it was, but they didn't invite this this lady. <laughs> they didn't invite one Karen. Um, she said she felt shunned by her colleagues, and she took them to the tribunal. Did she took them to the tribunal. Yeah, and and she won. She <laughs> she won the case, and um, she was awarded seventy five thousand euros, which is equivalent to one hundred forty six thousand five hundred dollars in New Zealand uh, for compensation. So, yep, that's that's the craziest story we've had so far. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm not entirely certain um, how how on earth this um, yeah this happened, but um, I'm not even sure that she. I didn't even think you could win something like this, to be honest, because it wasn't like the company organized the drinks; it was just the colleagues. No, it, it wasn't an official company event. It was yep. just a bunch of friends who worked together, and unfortunately, they didn't want to invite this specific person for whatever reason they had. I wonder if she's going to sue us now if she ever hears this. Oh, we're too far away. It's we're too far away. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're safe. But the, the, the crazy part about this is that the judge ruled for her because um, she deemed that it's a detriment to her work and that it's a loss of opportunity to bond with her colleagues. So, I mean, I hate to be old-fashioned and I do apologize in advance if somebody does get offended by this, but this sounds really soft. This this sounds really weak. It sounds like kids in the playground. Yeah, a little bit. And it's like, oh, miss, you know, kid running up to a teacher. Like, does that mean that one of those kids to take the other kids to court? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, well, because I mean, like, that's the same premise, right? Is that mm. uh, at that point, it's, it's detrimental to her, the kid's education. Yeah, I mean, if... It's going to be bad from now on. This lady is now going to be seen as the person who, who basically knocked on them I, and had enforced the company to pay 
that much money. I'm not entirely. I mean, I don't know whether or not she'd be able to keep her job. Right? She'd probably move on. To be honest, just from just from the shame, I guess. I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not trying to tell. We're not trying to tell her that she should leave her job. But yeah, we're just trying to think like if that was us in that situation, would our colleagues and staff, you know, friends, still like us? Uh, And I think probably not. Um, because they know that we could possibly sue them for £75,000. Um, and, and it's just ridiculous. And, and, I, and I can't believe she won. I, this is something that you would see in like an American courtroom where, you know, you can sue for everything. Yeah. But, but this is in London. This is in London working for a casino of all places. And she took them to court and she won. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly, I don't really know what else to say except... You better invite me to everything now. Yeah, we have to we have to invite each other to everything, or we might see each other in court. Um, um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see how much money we could get out of this uh, just by not inviting people, or just you know, not getting invited yeah, ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I'm tempted. I'm yeah. keen, very keen to see how much I can make um, out of being a professional sewer. <laughs> and just to add on to the ridiculousness of this article, it says here that last month a a uh, man from the United States was awarded 450,000 US dollars. Yes. After they threw the colleagues threw him an unwanted birthday party. Uh yep. Yeah, so that one though, that one though I kind of I kind of get kind kind of do because okay. he had a predisclosed um anxiety condition, right? They they knew about it when they hired him. He told them all that he didn't want to have a birthday party because it gave him anxiety. Couldn't do with it. And he told them that. And they still went ahead and did that for him and then gave him an anxiety attack and then said, get over it, come out and socialize. You're ruining your birthday party. So that that makes sense yeah. though, because that's the company, right? The company has clearly done this against the... Against, against his wishes. Against his wishes. Or his right? health for that matter. Yeah, against his health, right? So they've damaged his health. But the UK woman... Did it against her, her staff mates. They didn't do anything wrong. Well, I mean, sorry, the court found them to do something wrong. But, you know, like they, it wasn't like the company did it. It's not like yeah. the company said, you know what, you four go out for lunch and uh, make sure you don't invite Karen over there. She, uh, she's not allowed. So this is, it's insane nowadays what you can sue for. And um, I'm just waiting uh, for I hope we day. don't get to that stage. Uh, I'm waiting for it. In New Zealand, with the way, you know, everybody's wanting to work remotely, I swear somebody's going to try and do it. Yeah. Somebody's going to do it. We'll be, we'll be letting you all know about it in the, uh, I, I give it I give it four, four more podcasts, and then we'll be reporting on something here in New Zealand, guaranteed. Oh, well, well, that's enough of that. That's, that's just really depressing. <laughs> uh, um, well, that'll do it this week, yep, Keelan. Thanks for, for coming us. back. Thank you. Thank to you the very podcast. much for letting me come back. Yeah, yeah, it's been great, great having you. And I'm, I hope you did enjoy that last story because whilst we did enjoy it, it still hurts my brain trying to read it. Um, again, if you do get offended. We apologize. We do apologize. We do apologize. Of course we do. But at the same time, each to their own. So yeah, uh, like we said before, if you are ready to you know, start your home, your home loan, uh, flick us a message. Um, I will put the email link in the description and you, you can send us an email, or, you know, give us a general comment, whatever you want, um, to keepingyourhousewarm at finax.co.nz. Um, anything to say, Kieran? No, um, honestly, you know, we're still young. We're still new at this. So please, we would like to hear your genuine feedback on this. We want to make sure that we can keep this all uh, interesting and fresh for you. All right, that'll do it. Bye, guys. Have a good week. 
Yeah. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday.